Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Today on the Solax Show, I want to talk about the Eagles drafting a quarterback at six, but I don't want to talk about should they or will they or, or how it would work. I want to talk about how in the building, they're going to view quarterback as their top position to target above wide receiver, above corner, above offensive line, defensive line, whatever you want. Quarterback's going to be premier on their mind, and I want to do it without even discussing Jalen Hurts and the quality of play he put out last season. That'll be the top after the break. It's Zach Hicks, a writer for Stampede Blue and Cover One, who's going to come on to talk Wentz Indianapolis, of course, but specifically why now and why Wentz for the Colts. Frank Reich is obviously the easy answer that a lot of people give. I want to go a little bit deeper into that. So we'll bring on Zach to talk about how Wentz makes sense for the Colts timeline from a Colts writer's perspective. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Solak Show. This is your host, Benjamin Solak. The show brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio and Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, the second Solak Show now, as uh, the initial sophomore episode had to take a backseat to the breaking news of Carson Wentz last week. So now that is uh, tremendous Wentz trade speculation content that you will never hear. Uh, it was good. We had Connor Rogers on of Badlands and Bleacher Report, who's a Jet slash draft guy, talked a little bit about the Sam Darnold trade market and how that would affect Wentz. Obviously, Darnold now probably the most premier quarterback on the trade market for sure uh, because Deshaun Watson and, of course, Russell Wilson, uh, the Seahawks quarterback in in the news cycle this week, being rumored to be on the market but yet to officially be there. Houston not even taking calls yet. So uh, give Connor a follow, by the way, Connor Rogers, Rogers with a G, no D on Twitter, because uh, he's a great guy. And we'll hope to have him on probably again during the draft season to focus more on draft stuff. As you heard at the top, today's episode, however, will be more focused on Carson Wentz and the landing spot in Indianapolis. I got Zach Hicks from Stampede Blue on to talk about that. That's going to be the second half of the show. The first half of the show, I want to talk about why Jalen Hurts does not mean the Eagles won't take a quarterback at six, which I, I phrase that the way I do specifically. Uh, I, I don't want to say, oh, you know, the Eagles are still a chance to take a quarterback at six. Oh, you know, they, they like Jalen Hurts. Maybe they don't like him that much. So six is going to be on the board. I want to talk about why Hurts should not be a factor in the equation whatsoever, which is unfair uh, because he's going to be. However, the more I think about it and the more I, I look back at the things that the the Eagles brass, specifically Harry Roseman said at the time, the more it seems to me that they're not going to let Hertz factor into the equation because they didn't let Carson Wentz factor into the equation. And obviously they had a higher opinion of Carson Wentz when they made the Jalen Hurts pick, as they will of Jalen Hurts when they're eventually on the clock at six. So rewind the clock now. Let's take it back to April 2020. Uh Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson are holding their Jalen Hurts press conference, which was you know, a pretty fun time for everybody. And as per usual, 
uh, one of the best questions came from Les Bowen, who uh, I've said in my, this show many times, my appreciation for Les's work and also the uh, pointed questions that Les asks. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy in the pressers. Uh, so Les asked Roseman, and he said, you mentioned Nick Foles a minute ago. I think we all know that that wasn't a long-term situation that could be comfortable. Yep. And that's why Nick Foles was allowed to go elsewhere. Yep. It seems like you're kind of setting up the same situation again with a highly regarded quarterback coming in. Every incomplete pass that Carson Wentz throws, people will be looking at Jalen Hurts. Why do you want to do that? Which is just right on the nose in in, uh, in retrospect. Uh, so Howie's answer, he said this. I don't agree with that. I think that Carson is a phenomenal player, and we think Carson is a phenomenal player. Nobody is going to be looking at a rookie quarterback as somebody who's going to be taking over a Pro Bowl quarterback. <gasps> A guy who's been on the cusp of winning an MVP. At the end of the day, I'm going to go back to who we are and what we believe in. We believe in the quarterback position. We believe this guy. When we saw our board and we looked over the guys that we thought we could pick at this point, the board had kind of gone in a different direction, and we just felt like we are stewards of the organization. Our job is to make sure that the organization is strong at the positions we believe in. That's O-line and D-line. We put resources into both those positions. We'll continue to put resources into those positions and the quarterback position. Again, we'll continue to put weapons around our starting quarterback, our Pro Bowl starting quarterback, but we felt like when we got off this call and when we met as a small group, this was the direction we wanted to go, and we felt like this was the right move for the Philadelphia Eagles going forward. Uh, Roseman's alluding to value that he says, uh, you know, he believes sits in in the quarterback position, uh, which he brought up multiple times in this press conference, right? The first thing that he said before he was asked any questions, so his his opening speech, uh, when head coach Doug Peterson and I came in, we sat down in 2016, we said we were always going to be about the quarterback position and that it was the most important position in sports. We're very fortunate to get a Pro Bowl quarterback in Carson Wentz. Our goal is to surround him with many good people and players as we can. Da, 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 da. So for us, when we sat down and talked about it as a smaller group and looked where we were on the board and what was the thing that we believed in the most and what were the kind of people we believed in the most, Jalen Hurts stood out in all those regards. We think he's an incredible teammate. So we believe in the quarterback position. We believe in Carson Wentz at the quarterback position. We believe in adding to the quarterback position. We believed in the person that Jalen Hurts was, and we thought it was the best value on the board. The tenets behind that idea, the tenets, excuse me, behind that idea, the the philosophy behind the Jalen Hurts pick from the beginning had nothing to do with doubt in Carson Wentz. That's the story that we're told. To what degree is that true? It's up for debate. You know what I mean? I, I Obviously, looking back now, we wonder if they had some inklings that, that Wentz was perhaps not, you know, need, needed to have a, a guy behind him, right? That they wanted to have that insurance policy because they weren't 100% certain in Wentz. Uh, I think that some of the reports after the Wentz trade where it was like, you know, it was a very somber vibe in Philadelphia. They were all came to realize just how much they'd messed things up, I think indicates that it, it wasn't really that. I think they really did have full faith in Wentz. And this pick was as Roseman is billing it. We, uh, uh, you know, we looked at the small angles. We didn't think this was much different than when we brought in Nick Foles and the amount of money we gave Nick Foles as a backup. And and we think Jalen's that side of a teammate and we think he's going to be good for the room. They think that you need to have multiple good quarterbacks on the roster. They think that it makes the room better. And they think that that is big value because quarterback is such an important position. So it does, it gives them that insurance policy, even if they really don't feel like they need it. They didn't have any down wins and they feel like it bolsters the room altogether. So then you look at the current Eagles roster, and there's no doubt that this team has needs all over the place, right? You've got a cornerback room right now with a, a over 30 trade acquisition, 
fourth round pick who's struggled to stay healthy and struggled to play well when uh, when actually healthy when playing. That's Avante Maddox. And then Jalen Mills, who might be a safety. Cremant LeBlanc, who's definitely a nickel and is a rising free agent. Not locked in, right? Craig James, Michael Jaquette behind him. Nobody there. Corner's really weak. You'll get a safety room with Rodney McLeod, who, again, a veteran, wrong side of 30. Behind him is maybe Jalen Mills, because, again, we don't know what Mills is. Uh, Kayvon Wallace, rookie fourth-round pick. Marcus Epps, been fringe rosterable. Safety's weak. You look at linebacker. Nate Gary, rising free agent. TJ Edwards, undrafted free agent from a couple years ago. Duke Riley, rising free agent. Jannard Avery, making a positional switch. Davian Taylor and Sean Bradley. Rookies from last year. Linebacker is weak. Uh, you even go to wide receiver as well. Cutting out Sean Jeffrey. Cutting Deshaun Jackson. You got Greg Ward, UDFA quarterback convert. Jalen Rager, first round pick last year. Travis Fulgham, whatever he is. Uh, and then JJ, take a wide side. John Hightower, Quez Watkins. Young guys who have not played well when they've been given the opportunity. Or, you know, Quez barely has played, but whatever. Guys who have not established themselves. Wide receiver is weak. All of these positions are weak. None of these positions are premium positions as the Eagles construe them. They have never invested a ton into corner. They have never invested a ton into safety. They have never invested a ton into linebacker, and they have never invested a ton into wide receiver. And some of those choices, I should actually say all of those choices at different times, have been debilitating to the team over the last few years. The Eagles have lost games because of their weak wide receiver room. They have lost games because of their weak cornerback room. And you can argue that the only reason they were in those games is because of strong offensive line room and strong defensive line room. But when you can't draft, you end up pouring money and resources into veterans at your premium positions, offensive line and defensive line. You don't have that money to put in on the non-premium positions, wide receiver, corner, safety, linebacker. You don't fill it with young talent because you're struggling to draft, and those become the weaknesses on your team. That's the story of the dissolution of the Eagles roster under Harry Rosen over the last few years. Those are the, if like you look at team needs, right? Like at the draft network where we have team needs listed, that's what you'll see the Eagles wide receiver, corner, safety. You won't see quarterback that high. You'll see it up there, but it's not objectively when you look at it as weak because you have a player like Jalen Hurts locked in, second round pick from last year, whatever. But when you look at the premium positions for Philadelphia, offensive line, defensive line, and quarterback, it's clearly the weakest. You have one player on the roster. Jalen Hurts, second round pick from last year, three starts, no no veteran. Nate Sudfeld is a rising free agent. Carson Wentz got traded away. On the offensive line, you've got question marks. Jason Kelsey retirement, who's got that left tackle job. Is it Andre Dillard or is it Jordan Mailata? Um, but you also have a guy like Jack Driscoll, who you like what you saw last year, was one of their best performing rookies. You have Nate Herbig, who's been a player who, again, started and was successful starting, was impressive starting as an undrafted free agent from a couple years ago. They offer you depth behind, say, Amalo and Brooks and Lane Johnson, who when you have healthy Lane, when you have healthy Brooks, which obviously is a little bit of a if, when, you know what I mean? It doesn't happen very often, but those are the class of their position groups, right tackle and right guard in the league. On the defensive line, yeah, you're cutting Malik Jackson, you need the money, but with what you got from Javon Hargrave at the end of last season, with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham in place as your veterans, with Josh Sweat coming up behind him, with Hassan Ridgeway coming up behind him, you've got starting caliber players and you've got depth. So they've got to figure out their opposite end position. The Eagles are going to be in the defensive end draft class if they have to make a Derek Barnett move. Derek Barnett remembers on his fifth-year option, due over $10 million. 
none of which is guaranteed until after the league year begins. So they could cut him and return that $10 million to the cap space free of charge, no dead cap hit. So they're going to be in on the end market. Okay. They're probably going to be in on the interior offensive line market. Brooks's injuries, Jason Kelsey's retirement. They need that player. Okay. But neither position, offensive line or defensive line, the premium positions is, a, is as weak as quarterback is. So we take that. That's a nugget. That's a truth. We hold on to that. We put that over here. It is a extremely good quarterback draft class at the top of the draft. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Four extremely good quarterbacks who are expected to go top 10. If what we're hearing from the league is legit, then Mac Jones at Alabama, the fifth, is also going to be construed as a first round pick, top half of the first round guy, potential future starter. Not my cup of tea, but okay. You have an extremely talented top of the draft at quarterback. The same thing is absolutely not true at edge. Uh, edge is very weak at the top this year. Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia, Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. All of these guys are potential first rounders. None of them are the profile players you'd like to draft in the top 10. Gregory Rousseau is a one-year wonder who opted out of the 2019 season, super long, super athletic, has absolutely no idea what he's doing. Uh, so not going to be an impact player for you to start. Jalen Phillips had a great year for Miami as a transfer. He's the size the Eagles like, 6'5", 260, tremendous film, has concussion history, has off-field red flags, was a transfer from UCLA, retired from football at one point because of the extent of his concussions. Quiddy Pays, 6'4", 275, big end out of Michigan. Not the sort of profile that the Eagles like, unless they view him like as a Brandon Graham type. But even then, like it's the size isn't the same. Uh, and he's largely a better run defender than he is a pass rusher. Aziz Ojolari, 6'3", 240. This is the kid out of Georgia. Uh, too small for what the Eagles like. Doesn't have the length. Uh, he's a good outside, high side rusher. But again, he needs to round out more of his three down game to be a three down snap getter. And then Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. Again, another big 6'6", 275 pound guy. It's a big end. Kick him inside. Not what the Eagles are looking for. You don't have the top of the edge class that's going to push the Eagles at six to make that pick. Like if they lose Derek Barnett, there's going to be a conversation about edge at six. They're not going to take an edge at six. The board isn't good enough. They're not going to have a high enough grade on any of these players. Trade back, maybe. Uh, I think that trade back and get Jalen Phillips makes sense. Trade back and get... I guess they'd like Gregory Rousseau the most out of the next guys. I wish they'd like Aziz Ojolari. I'm just worried he's going to be too light for them. Uh, but you've got no edge that I think will be on their board at six. Offensive tackle very well could be. Penny Sewell out of Oregon could potentially be there. Tremendous athlete. Uh, extremely good film for 19 years old playing Oregon. Another 2020 opt out. I don't think he'll be there. I don't think he gets past the Bengals at five. If he is, cool. Uh, they He's going to be on their board at six to play left tackle. They would consider making that pick. Premium position. They don't have a locked-in starter there. They don't like Dillard in the building. Jordan Mailata obviously played decently well. Does he play well enough to discourage you from making this pick? Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure that he did in Philadelphia's eyes. I don't think they're worried about going into the year with Mailata as the starter, but they'd like to improve upon that if they can. Beyond Sewell, it's a really good tackle class. Again, if you're trading back, uh, you got Christian Darisaw, Rashawn Slater, uh, Tevin Jenkins, Samuel Cosme, really, really good tackle class. Those kids are out of uh, Slater out of Northwestern, Darisaw out of Virginia Tech, Samuel Cosme out of Texas, and Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. All of them round one players. Make sense with a trade back. Don't make sense at six. Uh, most of those guys are going to be 
construed of as outside of the top 10 players. Uh, Slater maybe inside. And the thing about Slater at a Northwestern, 6'4", 310, doesn't have great length. He might be a guard prospect. And the Eagles like having tackle bodies at guard. Remember, Isaac Samalu played tackle at Oregon State. And Brandon Brooks, obviously, is like 6'5", 330. Like Brandon Brooks is humongous. Uh, they like to put that tackle body at guard. So if the Eagles feel like, all right, Jason Kelsey retires, Isaac Samalu kick him to center. We need a left guard. Rashawn Slater, draft him to be a left guard. That, again, like that could make sense if Kelsey retires. I think that'll be on their board the same way Sewell would be on their board and the same way that, you know, a potentially an edge with a trade back would like be on their board. Compare those players and those options. I should say the interior offensive line class doesn't have a Quentin Nelson. There's nobody who's, who's viewed as a top five pick. Maybe Elijah Veritaker to USC is like a top 15 pick. Again, more so a trade back target. Those options compared to the strength of this quarterback class pale in comparison. At the Eagles premium positions, the best players that will be available, the true blue chip, top five, top 10 grades that their scouting department will give out will be, yes, Penny Sewell, maybe Rashawn Slater, and then four quarterbacks. All of them really, really exciting. It's not just they're good. It's all of them are mobile, which is something the Eagles really value in the quarterback position, as we discovered in the Jalen Hurts pick last year, right? Where they, like, you know, again, you go back to that pressure that they had and they talked about, hey, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts' unique skill set. We see what Taysom Hill did in New Orleans. We see what uh, Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco did together in a, when they were in Baltimore for that one season. He was, Jalen Hurts was drafted to be a quarterback. He's a quarterback first. He's a unique skill set where he's a great runner. I want to take advantage of that. That was Doug Peterson in the presser. So they, they mobility in their quarterbacks. All four of these quarterbacks can tuck and run. Trey Lance at North Dakota State is probably the best running quarterback that's come out since Lamar. If he's not, it's Hurts, right? Like Hurts was the second best running quarterback to come out in the last like five years, just behind Jackson. Lance challenges him for that. I'm not sure I'd give it to Lance, but it's close. Uh, Lance is a player that I, I compare to Colin Kaepernick. This is uh, Trey Lance, North Dakota State, uh, one year starting 2019. I don't think the Eagles will be big on his profile. He's a one-year starter in the FCS, but insanely mobile dude. Justin Fields built like Cam Newton. Zach Wilson runs like Kyler Murray. Fields is not as good of a runner as Newton. Wilson's not as good of a runner as Murray, but they both are in those molds and can be successful in that regard. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence is a great runner as well. He's not going to be on the board. doesn't matter. So not only is quarterback strong for Philadelphia at the top of the first round, it's also players that they like. It's also going to be molds that they like. Uh, talked about Jalen Hurts' character. Talked about him as a teammate. People go nuts about Justin Fields in terms of his uh, character, right? In terms of who he is as a dude. Same thing again is true of Trey Lance. If Trey Lance were like a two-year starter at the FBS level, they would be all over his profile. He'd, he'd be their dude. He's one of the best. He's, he's probably the best quick game passer out of Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. He's probably the best of the three, and they need a good quick game passer in this Nick Sirianni offense. Again, Lawrence is the best quick game passer. He's not going to be there. Best quick game passer, best runner, best character. 100% what they would need. He's just a one-year starter in the FCS out of North Dakota State. I'm not sure they're going to go that route. Uh, so it's actually, it's very interesting to think about. But uh, again, like I don't think he's going to make their board the way Wilson and Fields will. But anyway, people rave about Fields' character. Fields is a great leader. Uh, he's, he's also a little bit more of a type B leader, which is to say that, you know, both him and Trevor Lawrence, they're not like huge rah-rah system ba guys. You know what I mean? They don't throw a a touchdown and then start like fist bumping in the air. You know what I mean? Which like Wentz never really did either, but Wentz 
was given that type A criticism, right? He was just a little bit too stubborn and he was a little bit too set in his ways and he wanted to know why coaches were telling him what to do. Fields is, is, is a little bit more chill. He's <laughs> just a relaxed dude. Zach Wilson out of BYU, definitely a type A guy. There's been talks about like, oh, he's, you know, uh, he, he's a little like arrogant. Yeah, probably. Um, but he's also really good and his teammates love him. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that there's a big character concern with him. Not one that I've heard that's legitimate. So you've got, high character guys and mobile guys, which is what they cared about with J- with Jalen Hurts when they made the pick. So the nugget that we put off to the side in the beginning is of the three positions that the Eagles do as premium, offensive line, defensive line, and quarterback, quarterback is the weakest. And the nugget now when we look at this draft class is of the three positions that the Eagles view as premium, offensive line, defensive line, and quarterback, the quarterback class is the strongest at six. Put the two together and the Eagles' biggest premium position of need aligns with the strength of the board when they're there at six and we have not in any way shape or form said one thing about Jalen Hurts performance to end last season whatever they view Hurts as internally from the pre-draft work and from his performance last season it doesn't change the two truths they're weak at quarterback on paper they've got one dude there and he's a second year player and this draft class is very strong at quarterback at the top where the Eagles are going to be picking at six overall. So before we even look at Jalen Hurts' film, they're more likely to take quarterback than any other position, in my opinion, at six. The big question mark is wide receiver. I mean, if Penny Sewell falls, then that's going to be weird. Uh, if the quarterbacks go early, right, like four quarterbacks off the board in the top four picks, which would be ludicrous, but it's a thing that you see sometimes trade back, whatever. Like if draft day goes left, right, and something that that we don't expect to happen right now, February the 27th happens, then okay, you know what I mean? But as, as we expect to see it, it looks to me like quarterback is going to be the position above all others that they target. Wide receiver is the wild card because they have to accept the reality in which they have undervalued this position over the last couple of years. They have tried to go with free agents and uh, injured guys, trade acquisitions, rental speed threats. None of it worked. Then they tried to draft Arthur Whiteside, Jalen Rager, and they weren't successful there. They have been bad at bringing in wide receiver talent. So that situation, that room is dire. And I would even argue that the corner room is dire as well, but I don't think they're going to agree with me. And I think that a big part of bringing Jonathan Gannon in as the defensive coordinator is that he's been really good at getting good defense out of later drafted corners. I think that's the angle they're going to go, right? Uh, Xavier Rhodes, TJ Carey, Rockison, uh, what's the name of their slot? Kenny Moore, uh, Pierre Desir, right? They, they tend to use later round guys, play them in zone, whatever. But putting corner aside, wide receiver is going to be the wild card. If they have reevaluated what they do, as an organization and remember like, they fired their coaching staff they brought in all new guys like there's an opportunity here for reorganization then maybe they've bumped wide receivers value up to a more premium level and we won't know that until draft day when they make jamar chase the pick at six when they make Jalen waddle the pick at six but from everything we understand about philadelphia right now in terms of how they draft and what they like quarterback is more likely than any other position on paper and that's without any evaluation of jalen hurts throw in the fact that I don't think Jalen Hurts showed you anything over three and a half games you didn't already know about him from Oklahoma, which had you value him as a good pick at 53, but not as a first round player. 
uh, as a player that you thought would be good for the room, good to develop, a cheap backup, a trade chip, and never a guy that you thought was going to beat out Carson Wentz for the job, which, you know, he eventually took the job because Wentz got benched. And I think that it even strengthens the likelihood that they take a quarterback. They're also, just as an aside, going to add a free agent quarterback because they're going to want a veteran voice in the room. They, they don't, they're not going to want to go into the season with Hurts and Fields and have no veteran next to them. So they're going to carry three, and that third is going to need to be a veteran. Good market for veteran quarterbacks, as per usual. Your Brian Hoyers cost you a million bucks, right? Like they're going to, they might try to Josh McCown, Brian Hoyer a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, they obviously just added to their staff the, uh, the quarterback who retired from the Giants, whose name I would 100% remember. Tanny, Alex Tanny, I want to say. Yeah, so quality control coach for the Eagles. Uh, so he was, I want to say, 34, right? Something like that when he, he retired. So they've got him in the building. Uh, would not be surprised to see them bring back Matt Barkley. as a player who, who had Roseman drafted 2013. Uh, he's now a free agent leaving New York like Tanny was leaving New York. Uh, he was $2 million on his contract last year, which the Eagles may not have $2 million to spare, but that's pretty cheap. Um Mike Glennon's going to be a free agent. Geno Smith's going to be a free agent. Blaine Gabbert's going to be a free agent. Blake Bortles going to be a free agent. And all these guys may or may not make it. But your your market for mid-30s quarterbacks, Robert Griffin III, that's an interesting one because of the running ability. But anyway, uh, these mid late early 30s, mid-30s quarterbacks, they're all going to be around. They're all going to be worth a couple million. And the Eagles are, are going to be excited about being cheap at the position, right? They're not going to have a ton of money tied up into it on paper because they're paying Carson Wentz $33.8 million dead cap. And so they're going to want to stay as cheap as possible. So they're going to bring in a cheap veteran free agent quarterback. That's going to happen this this free agent cycle in March. I, my, my bet is Matt Barkley. That's going to happen. It's not going to affect the likelihood that they take a quarterback at six at all because it's, it's not going to be really strengthening the room. It's going to be them checking the boxes of making sure they have a veteran voice there to help with preparation, to help with organization. So... Even if they add a free agent, which I expect them to do, quarterback is the weakest spot among the premium positions on the Eagles roster. When it comes to a premium pick like six, that is what I expect them to spend it on. So as of today, I'm telling you, the tea leaves in the front office under High Roseman tell me that the Eagles should be viewed as likely to take a quarterback as a team like the Jets are, as a team like the Jaguars are. That this... It is how they build their team. So click on that Justin Fields film, baby, because he might be there at six. And if he is, I think he's the pick. Turn on that Trey Lance film. Fall in love with him the way that I did uh, and see if you could talk yourselves into the Eagles making that decision as well. Uh, hit up Zach Wilson and maybe that that run that he's getting right now in February will end up falling a little bit if he measures in at six foot or six one. Watch him dominate at BYU and think about what he could be a midnight green because Eagles are taking another quarterback at the top of the first round. That's it for me, at least for me alone. Uh, we're going to throw this thing to break, pay the water bill. When we come back, Zach Hicks of Stampede Blue, Carson Wentz, and the Indianapolis Colts. Zach, I feel like you and I got our start like doing draft Twitter things at roughly the same time. And now you're rocking it at Stampede Blue. I'm rocking it at Bleeding Green. It's only appropriate that we end up having the Carson Wentz trade from the Eagles to the Colts. And we kind of bring it back together. I was trying to think of the first like 
podcast we ever did together or like anything like that we worked on together and it was just probably something in like 2017 2018 i couldn't remember exactly what it was but i'm happy to have you on the show yeah thanks man Uh, i think it might have been locked on eagles i think when washington was playing the eagles because i was with locked on uh redskins back then oh that would make sense right we did some crossovers back then you and kissed had me on uh, so I think that might have been the first one. Right. But yeah, man. Back when you were a Washington media member. Yeah, yeah. With Locked On, man. Locked On. That that grueling job with Locked On. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm still locked on NFL Draft doing the uh, mm-hmm. the big boy show there, but it's a good time. Uh, yeah. Okay, so right. It's your Stampede Blue now, which is the Colts Espionation site, for those who don't know. Like I said, I'm bleeding green. Obviously, we had the Wentz trade. Uh, and so now it's a it's it, it was long rumored. It's now officially done, and it is the Colts, which was the initial team that it was tied to, and everything comes together. Da, 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 da. All right, Wentz is a Colt. So the opening question is just very simply: Did you think that this was the right move? Did you think that this was going to happen? Because a lot's been talked about with who Wentz is going to become. A lot has been talked about with Frank Reich and what he means for Carson Wentz. I want to talk largely about. Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Colts and the way the Colts have built this team. You're coming off an 11-5 season. Uh, you made the aggressive move for DeForest Buckner. You brought in Phillip Rivers in free agency. You make it to the playoffs. You lose the game to the Bills. Rivers retires. You're now stuck with this quarterback question. Anthony Costanzo retires. You're now stuck with this tackle question. With everything that was going around with the Colts, it was said that Wentz was just the best option for the Colts. And I'm curious, do you think so? Was it the right move? I, I don't think it was a bad move in a vacuum. Um, and I think it makes sense from the aspect of, you know, Frank Reich getting his guy. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit here in a second. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I go back and forth on it. I think, you know, on one hand, you get a quarterback who, you know, he's not like Phillip Rivers in the eve of his career. And uh, just a couple years ago was playing at a very high level. But it, it's hard to ignore what we've seen these last couple seasons, and and you guys know that more than more than I do. Where each year it's been steady regression from Carson Wentz. So mm-hmm. you know maybe with Frank Reich he can bring that back, and maybe that's what their their angle they're really going for is like Frank Reich. I'm um, assuming was pounding the table for him, and and uh, they they think he can come back to what he was because that's that's the only way this trade makes sense. You know you don't trade what they traded for him for you know a. Uh, top 15 or a top 20 quarterback you know you're trying to get that top 10 guy or else you're not trading a third and what's likely going to end up being a first round pick for him so you know they're putting a lot of eggs into the you know fixing Wentz basket uh but and I'm you know I'm not even saying I would typically like I definitely agree with it I I get it but it's a lot to put on a quarterback who's regressed steadily over the past couple years I will say that right so here's my thing is with like okay they've got the Frank Wright connection and we know that that exists and we don't really know how much that it matters. We don't know how much it's going to impact things. Like it, I, I try to think of examples of like other quarterbacks who worked with a guy. It went well, that guy left. It went badly. He went back to that guy and it just picked right up to being good again. Like, I don't really think we didn't really have a model for that much in the league quarterbacks don't really move around that much obviously they're moving around more and more these years so maybe this will serve as a model but it's like uh, we don't know how much that connection matters and so i'll I'll phrase it to you this way do you think that it that was really the frank reich push the you know the presumed 
Reich in the building in Indianapolis being like, let's go get this guy. He's going to be good. Like, I know how to make him good. I've got him. This is our guy. We can, we can finally get over the hump with him. We're going to get good, steady quarterback play from him for multiple seasons. We're going to solve our Andrew Luck problem that we haven't solved for the past three years. Like, this is it. Like, this is the guy. Do we, is that really what pushed Ballard over the edge? Because Ballard was out here two months ago dropping like, you know, oh, everybody thinks a quarterback solves all the problems. And you think if you draft a first-round quarterback and yada, yada. Like, Ballard's always been so stingy. And he's always been so cautious when it comes to this position. Was it really the right connection that, that like, that was what sold it? Because this is the biggest move Ballard has made a quarterback since Luck retired. It's yeah. bigger than the, the Brissett signing and bigger the Brissett trade and bigger than the Rivers signing. So was it, was it right that has this much clout in the room? That's why this was done. I, I think that's a logical explanation to draw from it because, you know, I'm assuming that Chris Ballard wasn't, you know, over, you know, just completely in love with Carson Wentz, you know, and right. honestly, who, who could be after these past couple of years, especially after last year, who, who really could be completely sold on Carson Wentz being the guy? Uh, I think the only way you make a trade like this is if you, you have a guy like Frank Reich who has worked with Carson Wentz. And I believe there was a quote uh, from when the Eagles drafted him that Doug Peterson said, like, everybody else was 99% sure on him, but but Frank Reich was 100% sold on Carson Wentz. Uh, so, you know, there, there's obviously that admiration that Reich has for Carson Wentz, and we saw it there in Philly. But you, you don't make a trade like this unless, you know, your coach is the one that's kind of behind it. Because if you don't have the confidence that he can fix him or if he's not having – you know, that, you know, super adamant that he can fix Carson Wentz, you can't make a trade like, especially for what they gave up a third and what's likely going to be a first round pick. You know, you, you have to be confident you're going to fix him. And the only way you really can be that confident is if Reich's the one coming in and saying, you know, I can fix this guy. Uh, and, and, you know, Frank Reich's been a great coach for the Colts over the last couple of years. I know him and Chris Ballard have a really great relationship, so I don't doubt that they were in constant communication about this, but yeah, I, I really do think uh, Frank Reich played a, a huge, huge role in, in bringing Carson Wentz here. Because I don't think Ballard makes this trade uh, if he has maybe a different head coach here instead of Frank Reich. Right. So that's what I was going to be my next question is that if there's no Frank Reich in the building, they don't go after Wentz, period, right? I, I, I think they would have implored because I mean, they, they, they looked into Matthew Stafford. I think when they realized it was going to be two first round picks, they were like, no, we're not going to you know give up that much for him. But I'm assuming they would have, you know, probably called about him, maybe even made an offer. Right, but then but... they get the call back, which is like, we want at least a one, and then Ballard's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, to me, and I will just say this from my own point of view with this, I do think the escalator up to a one that the Colts ended up giving was way, way too easy and kind of skewed Like this the trade. conditions, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the conditions. I mean, what, it's 70% of the snaps or 75% of the snaps this year or the Colts make the playoffs. And we saw the Colts with Jacoby Brissett. Like, if, if Brissett doesn't go down for two games, the Colts are knocking on the door of the playoffs in 2019 with really poor quarterback play. Uh, the only reason, I mean, when he went down, they, they had awful quarterback play from from um, uh, uh, Hoyer, whatever, Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer. Right. Uh, I so didn't they, give you this. I didn't give you this question in the pre-show, but I am curious because I've thought this to myself. If Wentz just plays as badly as he plays, as he played last year, in Indianapolis this upcoming year. Do they make the playoffs, yes or no? 
could they? They could. Do they? Do they make the playoffs? Committing you to a January prediction in February, 11 months beforehand. (laughs) Do they make the playoffs? If he's 2020 bad, no. There's no way. Uh, Right. That's my thing is it's like, yeah, the conditions do feel easy. But if Wentz is what he is, like if it's just no step forward, which obviously nobody mm -hmm. expects, but still, like... This Colts team is so good, and he could still probably tank them out of the playoffs. But I hear you, right? Like, the yeah. the conditions well, very much feel like it's going to be a first. Like, my thing is, it's not even the fear that he's going to be 2020 wins, because I feel confident enough in the Colts' infrastructure he's not going to be that awful. But let's say he's, like, the 18th or 19th or 20th best quarterback in football. And you squeak into the playoffs of the seventh seed, get blown out by whoever in the first round, because Wentz is just not that good. Now you're stuck giving up that first round pick, giving up that third this year, paying twenty plus million dollars for a quarterback that is not very good at all. Like it's just below mm-hmm. average. Like then you're kind of put yourself in a rut. So that's why I, I was a little nervous of that. I like you know if he bottoms out and he's like what he was in 2020, then you can just admit like okay we'll, we'll bench on this last stretch here. We'll re- we'll revamp what we can going forward. Try to do what we can. We can kind of adjust, but. If he's in the 18, 19, 20 range, you're kind of stuck with a bad quarterback or not very right. good quarterback. So that that's my biggest fear personally. All right. So let me let me let's dive deeper into the coaching thing here a little bit. It's Frank Reich is the head coach, and it's Frank knows Carson, and Carson's gonna trust Frank, it's gonna be great. The problem is is that Wentz has burned a couple of uh coaching bridges across the course of his career in philadelphia and because of reich's connections to philadelphia some of those coaches are back so uh, you have uh, the eagles obviously hired a little bit from the indianapolis coaches have this year so there's a clear connection there but marcus brady's now the offense coordinator he's never worked with wentz before but your wide receivers coach is mike Rowe, who was wentz's ex-offensive coordinator that those teams did not do well grow was fired and your passing game coordinator uh, slash offensive assistant slash I don't really know what his exact title is. Is Press Taylor? Does he have an exact title yet? Just senior offensive assistant or something? I like think that? it's senior offensive assistant, and it might yeah. be passing game coordinator. I'm not too sure. It might okay. be that as well. Whatever. Some sort of get in, involved in things. I can't believe he's a senior offensive assistant. He's like 31 years old. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. These are guys that went with whom Wentz has already worked and has not had success now the idea is that he's kind of like too buddy buddy with press taylor so it's not that he doesn't like him it's just that he hasn't been successful uh how much are you worried with like guys below the the co- uh, frank reich on the on the ladder like wentz obviously fell out with peterson but he's also fallen out with like his offensive designers and his positional coaches reich's now the head coach reich doesn't have two 24 hours seven days a week to give to wentz it how what's the staff in Indy gonna do here? Whether it's Marcus Brady and the guys that Wentz doesn't know, or Grow, Preston and the guys that Wentz knows. Where are you at with what Wentz has been with coaching? How do you anticipate they deal with him? Because he's not he's not been successfully coached in a couple of years. I don't know. What do you think the strategy there is gonna be? Do you think Indianapolis has a good infrastructure for that? Where's your head at? Yeah, so I will say to start, you know, when you mentioned Grow and, and Taylor, I thought that was the most shocking thing about their pursuit of Carson Wentz you know like Frank Wright going after him I completely get it but I feel like you also don't like you know assistant coaches maybe don't have too much pull but if both of them are saying like oh no like they cost me my job he cost me my job I don't want him then would you still pursue him you know maybe again assistant coaches probably don't have that much pull but if both of them are saying that then you know you you probably wouldn't look at it as hard so I'm assuming both those guys were on board with it too Uh, and I think what's going to benefit it is 
you know, the, the people who are going to be mainly around Carson Wentz aren't going to be those two. You know, Gro is going to be in that receiving group. Uh, Press Taylor, you know, he'll, he'll obviously work with Wentz a little bit, but it's mostly going to be Marcus Brady and then Scott Milanovic is the quarterback coach. And I'm assuming because the Colts have such a close uh, relationship with Tom House, uh, Wentz will spend a lot of time with Tom House and, and, you know, working on his mechanics and stuff like that. So I think the coaching of Brady and Milanovic will be big for him. I don't think it's going to be too much of Taylor and um, grow, especially not grow. I think grow is going to be mostly with the receivers. So I, I think it's going to be interesting because those two are CFL guys, uh, both the guys he's going to be working with. Uh, big time CFL guys. Brady's spent a long time there. Uh, right. Same with Milanovic. They both won championships in the CFL. Uh, so I'm really curious of what they're going to kind of bring to you know the NFL and bring to Carson Wentz. So I'm not too concerned about the whole grow and, and t- press Taylor thing, even though, like you said, those are two guys where. You know, they don't directly point to why they lost their job as Carson Wentz, but it played a factor for sure in, in why they're no longer in Philly. So the fact that, that you know, they perceivably were okay with this trade, I think shocked me more than anything. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what Brady and Milanovic do. I don't know too much about them just because, you know, there's not many coaching clinics or too many things on CFL coaches. I'm trying sure. to find out as much as I can on them, but... Uh, I'm, I'm confident in them. I'm confident in Tom House, obviously, because I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be out there uh, pretty soon. They already have Jacob Eason out there with Tom House, and Jacoby Brissett spent time with Tom House, too, so that they just sent all their guys there. Uh, and then, obviously, the whole Frank Reich connection as well. So, coaching, it, it's something that's going to be monitored because we just don't know right now with, with Brady and Milanovic. But I, I'm excited. I like the CFL game. I'm excited what they can bring you know, from that to Carson Wentz. All right, so it's interesting because Wentz went to – Tom House, I want to say after his rookie season, mm-hmm. uh, and he worked with him then. I don't remember if he's worked with him ever since. And obviously, Wentz, Wentz's best season was uh, 2017, right? And so it was before that 2017 season that he worked with Tom House. Uh, I Like I said, I don't think he's worked with him since. And a lot of the frustration has been that Wentz has not done the necessary work in the off season to improve mechanically over the last few years, right? Like there's only new CBA, you know, limited practice time, you're mm-hmm. installing offenses. It's much more difficult nowadays to like teach a quarterback how to throw the football during training camp. And so the hope is that you do, your quarterback does that in the off season on his own time. Uh, and the Eagles were upset that he worked out with Tom house. Like they didn't want him doing that. They wanted him like, I don't know, like doing film or chilling or something. I can't remember what it was, but <laughs> anyway, so you're saying that that the Colts just they have a they don't have a partnership with Tom House just they rely on him like they they expect their quarterbacks to work with him. Yeah, yeah. Peyton Manning was was one of the main guys who worked with Tom House originally. You know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were kind of the big guys who got Tom House all all the uh, you know pub that he gets now. Uh, but no, Andrew Luck was big with him. I mean, when Andrew Luck his throwing mechanics from year one into where he was in 2018 were completely different. It was a lot tighter, a lot more compact. Uh, that was a lot of Tom House's work. Jacoby Brissett, we actually saw a pretty good improvement in his mechanics as well uh, from when he was with New England to the Colts. So, yeah, they, they they love Tom House. They send all their quarterbacks there. And like I said, Jacob Eason's currently there. Uh, so I, I, I think they're going to fully encourage him going to Tom House. So I don't I didn't know that was something the Eagles were completely against. That, that That's something I haven't heard yet. Yeah, no, it's uh, so I'm reading now from the Inquirer, which this was Marcus Hayes. Uh, after the 2016 season, Wentz hired the quarterback gurus at 3DQB in Los Angeles. Uh, Eagles uh, brass was not thrilled. Uh, they wanted him to be rejuvenated, and instead, he was spending time 
working on quarterbacking. This seems extremely weird. That uh, is really weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that they didn't want... Uh, they didn't want him working with somebody else. They wanted him working with like their guys and staff. They wanted them focusing on his footwork notes. Uh, so they were worried he was going to get like you know uh, crossed signals. Which fast forward four years, and that's an absolutely hilarious thing to be worried about yeah. with Carson Wentz because everything was was cross wires. <laughs> um, but okay, so yeah, he has an existing relationship with House, so that's interesting. Because like I said, I think that one of the things we've talked about a lot on this show is Wentz's need of a quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. During the off season, when you can't be meeting inside of the building. Okay, so last question for you then, Zach. Uh, I want to know from the Colts' perspective now. This, you know, you trade the first round pick for DeForest Buckner last year. You you, you sign Philip Rivers. You make it to the playoffs. You don't win the playoff game. Now you're gonna, I'm assuming, take some of this money and and get a little bit aggressive in free agency. You just brought in Carson Wentz, so there's no way you're like we're rebuilding. No, you're you're getting aggressive. Uh, you got money. It's going to be a buyer's market. You're going to solve your left tackle problem. You're maybe going to add to some defense, whatever. Got your first round pick. It's going to be great. You win 11 games next season with Carson Wentz. You go 11 and five. You win the division. I'll give you the AFC South. You go to the playoffs. You face the Browns and you lose. Successful Carson Wentz trade, yes or no? Because you got to 11 wins. But you also got exactly where Rivers left you at. So was that Wentz trade a win if that's where the Colts end up next season, yes or no? In a vacuum, no. Because you're, you're making this trade as a way to push yourself into that Super Bowl contender. You know, you're not making this trade just to teeter still as a playoff one-and-done team. You know, you don't want that. And and that's, you know, there, there's obviously, this question obviously has so many layers to it where uh Maybe Carson Wentz is outstanding. He plays better than what Rivers played. That's how they got to the 11 wins, but the defense caved in on itself, and it just wasn't the same defense. Uh, then we can look at it as, you know, getting Carson Wentz was a great trade, but the, the what the heck happened to the defense? And there's other issues. But in a vacuum, you know, if you're not getting past where you were, why did you give up the third in the first round pick? You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick could have got you to a one-and-done season, or Cam Newton could have got you to a one-and-done season. You know, you're not making this trade with the hopes of going one-and-done in the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I do think there's a there's more added pressure now. And, and you know, Chris Ballard said that. You referenced the, the press conference he said, or that he had not too long ago, where he said, uh, you know, everyone wants a quarterback, and then the pressure's on once you get one, so you have to get it right. And that's the big thing they're doing now. They're, they are putting their eggs into this Carson Wentz basket, and they're saying, like, the pressure's on for us now. Like, this is the guy, then we have to win with him. Because if you see, you know, if they miss the playoffs this next year, and maybe they miss it the year after, they go one and done the year after, you have to look at Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and say, why did you do this trade if we're not getting past where, you know, we should be at this point? Because this team's very good. Like like you mentioned, the team's really good on defense, uh, stout on offense. You know, they need to get a left tackle, but... Offense, they have a lot. They have a great coach in Frank Reich, great GM in Chris Ballard. Quarterbacks seem like the missing piece. And if Carson Wentz doesn't get you further than where you've been, then you really didn't improve anything. So, yeah, the the pressure is on, man. In In a vacuum, the pressure is completely on this team now to perform. And I think these players are ready. It just all comes down to, you know, what Carson Wentz are, are we going to see? Are we going to see 2017, 2018, 2019? Because, I mean, he's a different person every single year uh, from, <laughs> sure. from watching the Eagles film. Especially, hopefully it's it's not anything average. Hopefully it's either 2017 or 2020, and then we can go from there. But, uh, yeah, the, the pressure is completely on the staff and uh, this front office now to, to produce. And I think they know that. You know, you don't make this trade without knowing that. So, uh, yeah, and it's, it's uh, definitely – 
all everything going ahead now. I think they do need to be buyers in this market for sure. Yeah, I have a tweet I'm sitting on that's like, you know, okay, if you could have traded 19 overall or 21 overall, excuse me, a third round pick this year and a first round pick next year, and that was going to be enough to move you up to 10 to go get Trey Lance. Boy, that might not look real good in a year. You know what I mean? Let alone. Oh yeah, like, I would have easily done that over this. Like, right? Just being candid, that just me personally. You know, I think that's that... right. That's my big worry. Not like worry as an Eagles fan in the sense that like I don't want Wentz to do well. Like that's going to be a good thing that you get from Eagles fans. That's not where I'm at. But <laughs> I think that when I look at this decision for Chris Ballard and for the Colts, my concern is okay. You made the trade. Mm-hmm. Wentz comes in. Let's say Wentz is like fine. And you go and you are once again fine in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not better than the Chiefs. You're not better than the Bills. Probably not better than the Ravens. You know, and 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 like so. Okay, you're the fourth, fifth best team in the AFC. Let's say you go. Let's say you make the playoffs. Let's say you even like win a playoff game. But at, like the Colts, even this past year, struggled with the best teams in the AFC during the regular season, mm-hmm. and then again had the loss in the playoffs. It's not going to be, oh no, the Wentz trade was a failure. It's going to be, oh no, you made this Wentz trade, and you're exactly where you were. You mm-hmm. like it, this the Wentz move was kind of conceived of as this high ceiling gamble, and it's like yes, but you know what else is a high ceiling gamble? A rookie, <laughs> you know. And eventually, at some point, you've kind of got to take that plunge, Chris Ballard, whether or not you want to. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I said, man. Though if hopefully Wentz is either twenty seventeen and he is uh, just phenomenal, and they have their guy, and they can go toe to toe with the Chiefs. Or he's twenty twenty, and they bench in the last couple games, and they get a top right. five pick next year. And then they right, can, because if he's yeah. just like facilitating, if he's just handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, right, and like you know beating bad offenses with Matt Everflus's defense, and it's like, all right, you made the trade, and it's not objectively bad. You know, you're fine, you're winning, you're whatever, you're competing in the division, great. But like this was your swing. That's my thing. Like he yeah. didn't invest. Like like the the this was the biggest investment he's made at quarterback, and I'm just worried it's going to be like fine and there's it's very dangerous sometimes to just be fine yeah yeah no especially a quarterback too like that that's what it also kind of was weird to me like again the escalator just keeps getting at me is that it can be a first round pick so easy and there's just such a conceivable way of him being below average and this really Mm -hmm. hurting your team going forward but no it's weird chris ballard was super aggressive getting DeForest buckner last year i mean he gave the 13th overall pick for him so you know, I, I assume that we could see something where you could go up and get a rookie, but I don't know, man. Maybe maybe he's scared of rookie. But I know he was really big on the he, – he was a big part of the – the what's the word? Like the decision-making to for the Chiefs to go after Pat Mahomes. You know, obviously he wasn't with them when they did draft Pat Mahomes, but they were having conversations about that, you know, the year prior when he was there. So, like, I don't know. He, he, he knows how to be aggressive. He knows when to be aggressive, but – you know, maybe he's just listening too much to Reich on this one. I don't know. Like, I hope it works out. I hope Carson Wentz becomes MVP caliber again. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, this is your swing. You know, you could have yeah. just, you could have swung a little bit more maybe for Matt Stafford or swung a little more for, I mean, swung I mean, completely God for forbid, the fences for Russ. God forbid Russell Wilson actually yeah. gets <laughs> traded. And the Colts are just going to be sitting here like, if we had waited one more week, mm-hmm. we would have known. And you could have, right. That, I was thinking about that as well, just in terms of like, obviously these big names are floating around and only Lord knows uh, if that's actually going to come to fruition or not. But either way, listen, you got the Wentz, uh, you have Wentz now, 
and you had a trade for Wentz. The Eagles had a trade for Wentz for five years. We traded with the Browns, and we had to live with seeing that. Oh, here's all the picks the Browns made, and here's everything this became. So you get to deal with that now. Congratulations. That's for you. (laughs) 